Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, I've got it right here in my hot little hands. What's that, Jeff? Roster moves. Ha ha. The Toronto Blue, Jay, Blue Jays can ahead of tonight's up. game against the Rays. No. <laughs> Less Ernie Clement. Adam Simber has been reinstated from the 15-day IL. Ernie Clement has been selected to the Major League roster will be active for tonight's game. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jeff. Does that mean that Kevin Biggio has been tossed overboard? Be, no, 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 nice. no, 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 no. Right-handed pitcher Thomas Hatch has been optioned to AAA Buffalo. Otto Lopez has been optioned to AAA Buffalo. Oh, and Mitch White, he's on the 60-day IL. So any idea that Mitch White is going to help uh, any starting pitching issues you have, you can pretty much throw those out the window, which is actually not a bad thing right now because, again, even though the Jays lost 6-4 last night to the Rays, Kevin, the first of four games, starting pitching – was not the issue. Chris Bassett, I'm saying, pitched well enough to win. Yeah, he he had 11 called strikes on the sinker. His cutter was decent. His four seamer was okay. All the other uh, three or four pitches that he's got was good enough. You know, it was a couple of bad defensive plays, and it was when you need a really good at bat, you didn't get one. That's sort of the gist of it, right? It, it Watching the Rays have the at-bats that they have, you can tell why they're in first place. It, it, it's it's you take the pitcher's pitch to get the one down the middle. When you get the one down the middle, you don't miss it because you're a big league hitter, and that's what you work on in the cage, off the tee, and soft toss, in batting practice. How many pitching coaches or are, are batting practice throwers, Jeff? How many times have you went to batting practice? You seen a guy trying to locate middle away? Never. They throw them down the middle over and over and over and over again. Why do you think that is? So you can have maximum damage with the baseball and have a little confidence going into the game. When it carries over, it's no different, right? That's what the ultimate goal is. And just didn't work out for the Jays. It's sort of a theme here. Yeah, the the uh, Rays had three home runs yesterday. Uh, and the home runs in particular of Luke Rayleigh and Jose Suri were both in situations where, uh, as you pointed out last night, Blue Jays talk. They're both in situations where uh, I mean, they just they spit in pitches, pitchers yeah, pitches. Yeah. Siri, you mentioned in, he, in order in order to get a hitter's he, pitch, which he, is what which this is what John Schneider's been telling us. Basically, been telling the on this us show that he wants the Jays. Everybody to do. that'll listen, <laughs> he's been trying to tell. Apparently, it <laughs> hasn't gotten through the thick heads of his lineup, mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like you mentioned Siri. Just an example in the second inning, it took the two-two sinker. That was a close pitch. It was a little down to get the four-seamer middle-middle. Even when you hit the bottom of the order, you got a better chance of hitting that hard than you did the 2-2 sinker. That's the point. It's not mechanical with most of these guys. I, I, I was one of those guys that you think when you're struggling, it's mechanical, right? It's not most of the time. It's about what you're swinging at. If you can take the close one, because at the big league level, that's what they do. They want to let you get yourself out, Vladdy. And whoever else, whenever they're struggling, looks exactly sort of the same way, right? It's because of what you're swinging at. Normally, most of the time, it's not mechanical. So if you can take anything away, like Dalton Varsho, 
Took took the one two. What was it? The one two split finger a little away off the plate, and then gets ninety six right down the middle. What's he do with it? Hits it in the water in right center field. That should tell him something, right? It's not well, mechanical. Hits it into the ray tank. Whatever the 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 leg kick but got yeah, nothing to do water. with that. It's got nothing to do with that. If I can lay off the elevated fastball, if I cannot chase, if I can force them in the middle of the plate because I have talent and enough bat speed that I can pull the baseball and hit it hard somewhere. That's that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, and, and uh, Dalton Varshow's reward for that was being dropped down to the seventh spat uh, today. That's odd, right? Against uh, Taj ba- uh, Bradley, the Rays' right-handed pitcher. The lineup is Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Belt, Chapman, Merrifield, Varshow, Jansen, Kiermaier. Jose Barrios on the mound against Taj Bradley. I will say this. I guess you can say the six, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six. The six dudes that are hitting in front of Varshow? are off to better starts than Varsho is, so you give him credit for that. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, against the right. Anyhow, I mean, you've got Belt hitting cleanup. Um, I don't mind Against that. the right-handed pitcher. I don't mind it either. I don't either. Um, He's not a cleanup hitter, but I don't no. mind that on this team. No, I was a little, well, I don't want to talk about it. I really don't want to talk about that, that ninth inning last night. Um, the Jays had the bases loaded. The game ended with uh, Bo Bichette grounding out to the pitcher. Bo Bichette uh, was one for five. Didn't get a ball out of the infield. Hit into two double plays. I mean, Kevin, when it's going when it's when it's going bad, it's going bad. I mean, it's hard to come on here and say something about Bo Bichette's at bats. No, I mean it's that that's the guy you'd want up every single time with the game on the line with the bases loaded. Like you, you can't argue the season he's had occasionally because the, remember, Jeff, he has a ton of moving parts. And and what's the job of the opposing team, especially the opposing pitching coach and all the pitchers, is to try and disrupt all of that, right? Hold the baseball, quick pitch, you know, throw a ball a little in off the plate, disrupt that timing, throw it off a little bit to where he's not landing right where he wants to land. He's off balance. He's swinging at something he doesn't want to swing at, sort of what the five at-bats looked like last night. I think he's earned the right to go one for five with whatever you just mentioned. Um, We've got to talk about Vladdy Jr., and, uh, I mean, another lost night at the plate for Vladdy. Um, but I want to talk about his defense because, uh, I it, look, I will be the first to say that at no point did I think that Vladdy would be winning a gold glove at first base. Uh, when he came into the majors, we knew that was basically the Jays were going to try to find a position for him. There was going to be one of two. It was going to be third. That kind of went out the window right away. Or first base. So I'm going to say that. We're talking about a guy who's a gold glover that um, and, and has made spectacular plays in his time as a Blue Jays first base move. But we have to talk about. We have to talk about last night and uh, and, and, and a couple of costly errors. The one in Christian Betancourt, uh now, yes, Whit Merrifield. It was a low throw, but Kevin Vladdy's got to he's got to make that catch. And also uh, the the other error, uh, which wasn't uh, I don't even know if it was Gordon error, frankly, Rocco. was it Wander Franco? Uh, hits a it, it was a hard ball. It's it's a ball at Vladdy. That's Ricochet, a tough play. Ricochet. Sli- slider middle away. Yeah. Guys out and around. He's left handed hitter. It's ball's a t- going it's away. A, from it's him. a harder play. Vladdy's holding the dude on. Maybe he's close to but the play. He blocked the ball, ricocheted off him. It's a tough play. It's a tough like play. Like you, you're you're okay with that one. But the Betancourt, that that's got to be made. And of course, yeah. what ha- what happens is Betancourt reaches a run, scores, and then Jose Siri steps up and hits a home run. It is and amazing. It's a three run second. How day. you play defense when you're not hitting, isn't it? It 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 is amazing 
how, how it sort of looks on both sides of the ball. I, look, I've been saying this to you forever, and it's very hard, again, because you mentioned it. He is a gold-glove first baseman. We can say that. Like, he has it on his glove. But I've been saying this forever. Now that the bases are bigger, when you run over, when you're a, you're a catcher with the glove on your left hand and you throw with your right hand, when you go over and take your right foot and stick it right in the middle of the bag and stand straight up and down, occasionally, now not all the time, because he is very athletic, he is nimble around the first base bag, like he is, he can do some things over there, right? But he does, he comes over, sticks his right foot right in the middle of the bag, stands straight up and down, and occasionally, when a throw is a little off, the timing of his land foot, which would be his left foot towards where the ball is going, is sometimes a little off. And what that does is that throws off your glove hand to where it's trying to get the webbing to the baseball. You never as a first baseman want to catch the ball in your palm of your hand because it will pop out of your glove. You always want to catch it in the webbing because it's just easier. You can give with it. The ball just sort of seems to go in there and stay in there. And for me, that's because of the stationary thing he does when he goes to the back. It's very hard, again, for me to come on here and say something about the way he plays first base because normally he is really, really good. He has an elite arm at first base. He shows that off a lot. It's just the footwork sometimes around the back for me is, and especially now that the that the, the bases are bigger, it's almost to the fact of if if you have better footwork around there and can adjust you should almost never have your timing thrown off because of where a throw goes. But this is sort of what happens, right? When your team is scuffling, doing everything, it sort of just escalates into the way it escalated into last night, even though you did have a decent enough start to win a baseball game on the road. Jays are uh, flirting with 500. They're 25 and 23. Tampa Ooh. Bay is 35 and 14. The Jays have lost 11 of their last 12 in the AL East. They're 5 and 13 in That's the AL lot. East. They very much are the worst team in the American League East right now. The Without standings, a doubt. The standings, the standings mm-hmm. don't lie. Tonight, they will see Taj Bradley, a rookie. Uh, it was 3 and 0 with an ERA of 354. Um, Kevin, <clears throat> I'm just looking at his, uh, I mean, he's worked four, five plus innings in each of his first four career starts. Um, got 27 strikeouts so far. They're the fourth most by any raised pitcher through their first four career appearances, mm-hmm. just behind Chris Archer. Uh, he is a, uh, you know, he's a raised pitcher, and we all yep. know what that means. And he's one of their, he's one of their top prospects. What are the Jays? What are, what should their? Are, are we at the point now where we don't even bother saying what's your approach mm-hmm. against a pitcher? It's just. The, the, the Jays' approach has to be the same, whether it's Taj Bradley or Shane McClanahan or or whomever. Yeah, that, it's, the, we're the, beyond talking about what the, the pitcher's going to. For the do most to you. part, they throw hard. Like he's no different. He throws ninety six to ninety eight with the four seamer. He's got the cutter slash slider, depending on how much he chokes it off, depending on how much the extension is. Sometimes it looks like a slider. Sometimes it looks like a cutter. It is 86-88, somewhere in that range. It's a good pitch. Those two pitches are really good. If I'm hitting tonight, I've already eliminated the cutter. I want no part of that thing. I'm looking for velocity, I'm and I'm looking for velocity in my zone. I'm not just looking for the fastball to go up there and swing at it. I'm looking for one. It's 96 to 98. A lot of guys, because all the things that go on before you actually get your foot down, have trouble with velocity outside their zone. That's why these hitting coaches and the khakis and me and you, Caleb, 
whoever, Joe Siddle, whoever comes on these shows and talks about hitting and approaches, all say the same thing. It's one thing to go up and swing at a strike. It's another thing to go up and swing at your strike. He's no different. He'll use the the split change occasionally to show it to you. He'll try and steal a strike with the curve. So right there, just by me saying those things, I've tried to eliminate three of his four pitches. I'm looking for nothing but his four-seamer. He throws hard. He likes to throw it. That's sort of all you need to know, and he's young. He's going to come right after you with that thing. Make him throw strike one. He, occasionally, he will fall behind. Whenever the younger guys fall behind, they try to be sometimes a little bit more fine with where they want it to end up. And occasionally, they would throw the 96 to 98 right down the middle. That would give you a better chance of hitting it hard. So I, I do think it's you're trying to eliminate a couple of his secondary pitches. You're trying to look right down the middle. I know it's baseball 101, and everybody's rolling their eyes when they're saying, ah, oh, the Jays should be able to know, know how to do this. Not when you've lost 11 out of the last 12 in the American League East. You really don't know how. So you try and simplify it as much as you can, and hopefully they can string together some hits, and hopefully big boy hitting third. And I'm going to continue to say that. You look at all the teams that have sort of turned their season around, it's because of one big-time hitter in their order gets it going, and then everybody else just sort of falls in place. So hopefully Vladdy can get some big hits, and then everybody else can follow suit. I'm almost at the point where I'm hoping that there's some sort of – I would never hope for an injury. But I'm, always, I'm, I'm almost at the point now where I'm hoping – that we find out that that Vladdy is quote unquote nursing some sort of issue. I that, I that thought that. Is, so I, and I do, do know somebody it. that's around the team a lot. So I had this person ask for me, and I she was told no to that answer because that's the first thing I thought of is, you know, why are you chasing? Why does it look like you're trying to create bat speed? Why you, why does it look like you're you you don't look a year ago or a year before that? Like why why do you look different and the answer that she got was, look, he had the little wrist thing happening. Uh, he she, he seemed to tell her and whoever was standing around there that it is something that he needs to sort of a process, right? right. <laughs> and I chuckle at that because it looks to me like, you know, he's, he's swinging free and easy. You know, it's not like he's favoring that whenever he releases the top hand on the baseball and and the swing goes where it normally goes. I just, for me, it looks to me like he's not swinging at his pitch. And and he's not Bo Bichette. And I do think that has a little something to do with I told you this with Dalton Varsho of why I didn't like him hitting cleanup because it's a lot to ask a kid to follow suit with the three dudes that are hitting in front of you. What do you want to do? You're a grown man. I want to go up and act like those grown men. Look, it's a lot to ask. <clears throat> and I think sometimes Vladdy sort of is trying to be a little bit like Bo, especially when Bo is doing both things you know, where he can hit and cover everything. And Vladdy's just, for me anyway, is not capable of doing that a lot because of his mechanics, right? There's a lot going on. A lot, you have to time all that up. These dudes throw really hard. They can locate it. They can throw a secondary pitch in any count. you got to be mechanically sound in an athletic position to be able to throw the barrel at the baseball. And until he starts consistently getting his strike, his pitch, hopefully that happens today. They could sure use a, a stinker. Like one of those that just said. <laughs> they really where they, And they're probably not going to get it against this team because this team's really good, and they think they, they need to win in the worst oh, way. But uh, an easy win. Like, you know, the, the manager, the manager the can't way. walk out there and take the starting win. pitcher out the wrong time or, you no. know, he's not pinch hitting for the wrong person. Like everything just sort of falls in place, and 
It's 9-2 in the ninth inning. Uh, we're going to be on air until 6.30 today. We'll take you right up the first pitch from Tropicana Field. We'll hand it over at that point to uh, Ben Wagner. David Sampson is going to join us at 6 o'clock. He is the host of Nothing Personal podcast, former president of the Miami Marlins. Uh, Nick Picoro is going to be along in a few minutes. We have to do this. <laughs> like you're giving me, I, the, I, you're giving me the stink eye. <laughs> we have to. I'm do totally this. against this. I am not. I'm looking at the I mean, Nick Picoro. Who does he cover? Yeah, he covers the Arizona Diamondbacks for the <laughs> well, Arizona. Why would Republic. we have him on? Well, we want to talk. Games we want to talk about Corbin Carroll. Uh, who uh, has no? Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is hitting 365 against lefties. It's the fifth highest in MLB. Get a load of this, though. Mm. In his last 15 games, he's batting 417 with a 1.352 OPS. He got six doubles, seven homers, 14 ribbies, and seven walks. And Gabriel Moreno, who was traded to the Diamondbacks along with Gurriel. For Dalton Varsho is hitting 330. Three doubles, one homer, 14 RBI. I mean, nothing, you know, that's kind of what that's we, kind we of what you're, he was. That's what you're gonna get mm-hmm. from Gabriel Moreno. So we just thought it'd make sense to touch base. Uh what are you laughing for? <laughs> we want to take a look that's around baseball. <laughs> that's what you thought. Be nice to touch base with another team. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean, okay. It'd be, it'd be, it would be nice to get to the bottom of this on why those two guys are hitting the way yeah. they're hitting. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I, 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 yeah, both of us at the time this deal was made, um, we, you know, look, we thought that uh, I, I still don't think Gab- Gabriel Moreno would be on this team this year. Um, certainly wasn't going to start the year with the team. There's not much doubt about that. It was going to be Danny Jansen and, and, and Alejandro Kirk's show. Uh, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I mean, didn't see this last year. And more to the point, more to the point, the Jays really did need to improve their outfield defense, which they've done. Uh, their uh, total of 33 defensive runs saved leads all major league teams. The outfield, and again, these are defensive runs saved, uh, leads the majors with 14. Four from Dalton Varsho, 10 from Kevin Kiermaier. The Jays' outfield defense is the best elite. in baseball. It's elite. It is. It's among the very, very best in baseball. Best I've seen this team have for a long, long time. So that part of the equation, and again, not every move isn't, you can't view every move in a vacuum, right? You get Kevin Kiermaier because you got rid of Teoscar Hernandez. You're taking some of that money to put it towards that. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and 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 Gabriel Moreno. Again, in the case of Moreno, he's not going to join your team. He's not going to be on the team this year. So, uh, and, you know, I like you said before the game, if uh, I love what you said before the game, you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Jays had Gurriel, they'd be tied for last. <laughs> they would be. But we could still talk to and find out what explains that hot start. Well, let's get to never the, mind the fact. This. Never mind the fact the D-backs are 28 and 20. They are 28 and 20. Third most wins in the National League behind the Dodgers and Braves. They'd be in fourth place in the East. 
doesn't matter. It does. They're not in the East. That's a great point. They're not in the East. That's a great point. Um, so we'll talk to Nick about that. And as I said, David Sampson joins us. We'll talk to him about how teams value evaluate trades. And also I want to talk to David about this, kind of this wrinkle in the whole Tampa Bay Ray Stadium saga, which was kind of odd. We just kind of assumed that progress was being made towards a new ballpark in, in Tampa St. Pete. Uh, under the current ownership group, and lo and behold, there appears now, and uh, Stuart Sternberg, the Rays owner, put the kibosh on this story, but it certainly appears as if uh, there are other individuals interested in purchasing the Rays. Hmm. And, of course, that gets into the whole situation with Oakland, which is a mess. Hmm. Uh, The A's seem to have, every day they seem to find, folks in Vegas seem to find another reason to essentially tell the Rays that they don't want them there. Uh, but anyhow, so we'll talk to David. We'll talk to David Sampson about that. Want to give a shout out, by the way. We touched on it very briefly. Chris Bassett uh, last night, six runs, two earned, six and a third innings, twenty-eight inning scoreless streak. It was the longest active streak in the majors, the second longest single season streak in franchise history. Clemens went thirty-three innings from August fifteenth to September fifth, nineteen ninety-eight. I got to throw this out here. His last nine starts. He's 5-2 and two with a 1.83 ERA. Opponents are hitting 153 off him in that time. His 186 opponents batting average for the year is fourth best among AL pitchers. His 62, and this is what I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. his 62 and a third innings of work are the fifth most. And the reason I want to throw that out there is because, yeah, it looks rough for the Blue Jays right now. But one of the things we talked about going into the year is the importance of getting innings from your starting pitchers. It is remarkable when you get innings from your starting pitchers, how that can paper over some of the weaknesses in your bullpen, Mm -hmm. how it can allow you to set up your bullpen to the point where later in the year, they're more rested, perhaps in better situations. And I want to keep stressing that because yeah, the offense has to be a concern. And and maybe this makes this more of a concern as well, Kevin. But the the starting pitching, quite frankly, even with Alec Manoa scuffling, sure, starting pitching's been maybe a shade better than I thought it would be because I didn't I didn't expect this from Chris Bassett. Yeah, me neither. I, I you gotta, talked about the need for 180 innings from him. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I I never thought his sinker was as good as it's been. Maybe he hasn't either. Like. Uh, he can throw that. He can elevate it. He can go in with it. He can go back door with it. Uh, he can throw his cutter like he did last night to lefties when they got a bunch of lefties in the order. He's trying to move their feet, you know, to just to str- uh, s- make that strike zone as small as you can possibly make it. That's that's exactly how you pitch, right? He's a pitcher, and I think he's got enough pitches that he can throw for strikes. He throws enough strike ones to be able to allow him to be able to do whatever he wants to do in any part of the strikes on he wants to do it in. I just, be honest, well, you never knew his sinker was as good as it's been. And the velocity's there consistently. The mechanics are there. You you would think it wouldn't be because he's calling his own game. That That's another part of it. I mean, how many pitchers you know can do that? Keep seven pitches on the tracks that's, he's been, and be he's, able to get through a game. He's been nothing short of a, of a, revel, no, of a revelation no for me. Question. I, I will, I will. I, I will just flat out admit that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there always is a danger to reading something in spring training. But 
I think it's safe to say that in spring training, it wasn't that the results were underwhelming. It was that the process seemed to be a little, a little too, well, as you said, he was needy. Oh, no question. He seemed needy. Oh, seemed to be a guy Getcher that, that, that Getcher go there. He, he, he needed, needed, a lot, needed a lot to work. <laughs> was a lot. Needed a lot to work for him yeah. to have success. It was so much, I just finally said, you call it. And I admit That's that. That's what they said. I admit that part of that was <laughs> we saw how everything came unwound for him uh, in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And we really did wonder the the pitch timer and newly AL East. I mean, all this stuff. How, how would it would it be too much for him? But by God, he's been, like I've said, he has been a revelation. And, you know, if you are looking, if you are looking for some sort of bright spot there, because this, mm-hmm. I'll say this, this is a this is a better offensive line. I think this is a better offensive lineup than they showed us because I've got to think Flatty's better than no he's question. been this year. Mac mm-hmm. Chapman, maybe he's not as good as he's showing us initially, but Flatty, definitely. I still think, you know, Dalton Varshall. Dalton Varshall may be a, a guy who hits seventh in your lineup and hits 25 home runs. That may be what Dalton Varshall is. That's okay. That's okay. It is. That's okay. Uh, I still think there's kind of a bat missing in this lineup. Oh, but, there's no, no but, question. They don't have a cleanup hit. But the bottom line for me is there should be enough there to at least take a run at a playoff spot. The starting pitching, though, has been, again, that, that's been a bright spot for me. And I, I loved what it, you said. You, you explained, and you, you summed it up perfectly. Other than Alec Manoa, and again, Alec Manoa's last start was something to grow on. It was definitely something to grow on. He was, he was better. Yep. He was better against a good lineup. Mm-hmm. But absent that hiccup, you say Kikuchi looks the way a fifth starter should look, yep. which is okay. Against a good team. Against a good team. Yep. Jose Barrios? Sort of the same. Sort of the same. Yeah. But you don't panic with Jose Barrios anymore like no. you did last year. going to give you five innings. Bassett's been, as we said, exceptional. Yep. Gossman has been Gossman. And if, if what we saw from Alec Manoa working with Danny Jansen, if that is a mm. little bit of a corner turning, maybe Alec Manoa isn't going to be as good as he was last year. But if he can just kind of be good enough to be a number two in that rotation sure. or something like that. You know, don't that, don't that, destroy your bullpen is what you're saying. That's what gives... That's what gives you hope. That well, what gives me hope. Well, that's what gives me hope. Pitching right now. and defense wins championships. Yes, but you need your lineup to carry you your team for your about lineup. a month. A month in the season is about how long you needed to carry it. And it comes down for me to one guy. I keep. I hate to keep bringing that same guy up, but Vladdy needs to show up. Six forty is the first pitch tonight. It'll be Jose Barrios on the mound for the Blue Jays. Taj Bradley for the Rays. Mister Bark and myself will be along following the game for Blue Jays talk. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a deeper dive into Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. Barker, there's nothing, and I want it. There's nothing nefarious about this. is a This is a good story. There's nothing nefarious about us talking about this at this particular time, just because the Jays aren't scoring runs. And, Appear to lack a hitter. In the purely, purely coincidental. Oh, it's yeah. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 Fan, Sportsnet 360, and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. 
smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. So a situation occurred last night in the Dodgers-Braves game. And I wanted to talk to you about this, Mr. Barker. Now, the Dodgers ended up beating the Braves 8-6 on Monday. But there was a play in the bottom of the fourth inning where... Marcelo Zuna hits a fly ball to left field for a routine out. But his backswing nailed Will Smith, the Dodgers catcher, on the side of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the play-by-play of that play. Will Smith talking about it. And then and 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 then we'll we'll sort of add to that. But I want to get I want to get your take on this as someone who's stood in the box. And pr- have you hit a dude in the back of the head? Your backswing? No. Oh. Well, anyhow, I, 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 pretend I, you I, did. I've never stood that far back right. in the batter's box. All right. Well, this is this is the play, and this is Will Smith, the Dodgers catcher's reaction. Owen goes back to work against the bottom part of the Braves' order. Marcelo Zuna leads off. That got Will Smith on the backswing and caught by Peralta. Smith not happy. I think Will Smith just said, I know, but that's not the first time you've done it. That was a lot of extension. I mean, there are guys that let the top hand go but are able to hold up. For Will Smith, you do have to factor in this is a guy who's missed two weeks with a concussion. No, I was just, you know, Matt hit me in the head with his bat pretty hard. Um, You know, it's not the first time he's done it to me. Sometimes other catchers around the league, you know, I just felt like there comes a point where, you you know, I need to say something there. I'm kind of in the moment, got a little heated, but... (laughs) No, I mean, that's something, you know, he's not doing that on purpose. But you do it enough times, like, you think he would kind of fix it. How about All right, you, now, how about now that, that's the, that's, a, 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 Smith later went on to say that that's the fifth time that Marcelo Zuna's done it. That's what he said to Ozuna. That's of course, a lot the, of times. The, the, the bullpen's empty. To him? Uh, anyhow, let me just finish. Uh, no, he, that's the fifth time. He has done it before. Okay. Anyhow, so uh, Marcelo Zuna, of course, the writers go over to the... Braves clubhouse to it's good reporting. It is to uh, talk to Marcelo Zuna. And uh, he said that he didn't intend to hit Will Smith. He said he's never tried to hurt anyone. He said Smith told him to clean it up. And then he said, I told him he should just back up when I'm at the plate. That's a great point. Parker, okay. I'm okay. going to turn uh, it over to uh, you. Uh, Zuna is a guy that stands in the back of the batter's box. He has a huge finish. Dudes with big finishes, you have to pitch in. You have to pitch in and down, which is exactly what the Dodgers were trying to do. That's how you get him out. It's because of how far he stands in the batter's box and how big his finish is. It's very hard for dudes. I was that guy. It's very hard for a guy with a big finish who finishes with one hand like Ozuna does to actually be able to square consistently that ball in and in and down up over and over and over again. That's where you got to get him out. I'm with you. Catchers have to know that. Catchers know if I'm going to stand that far back 
and that's how you're going to try and get me out. You better back up. But and okay, if I'm, I'm, Ozuna, I'm saying the same thing. But I would have said it then. Aren't you tipping? Aren't you tipping something if you back up? In other words, if you're Will, if you're Will Smith and you back up, aren't you telling I, look, Ozuna I, that's I, where you're going to? No, I'm just asking I you. Aren't you going to tell Ozuna that's where you're going to pitch? He's been around long enough to know how they're trying to get him out. Like he's All he's right. a veteran guy. I mean, it's, right. not, it's not going to change against veteran guys. You, you got your kryptonite. That's where you try and get him out. And with dudes with big finishes of where you're staying in the batter's box, absolutely. You got no sympathy for Will Smith, not basically. A, well, I mean, he, didn't he have a concussion? I think, had, yeah, he missed two yeah, weeks of the concussion. Okay, maybe, maybe there's a theme there to where occasionally if you're going to go in there and set up as a catcher, you got to know where the dude stands in the batter's box. Like, and, and no, no, is he a two hand finish guy or a one hand finish guy? If he's a one handed finish guy and he uses a giant long bat, there's a good chance I'm going to wear this. Maybe I should adjust just a little. Now I'm not, who am I to tell Will Smith where to set up in the, you know, in the box to try and get dudes out. But two, two plus two is what? Even in LA. <laughs> It's the same exact thing. So, yeah, I would have had issues with that. Like, I that that would have been, it's, again, you're not, there's no way that you could, on purpose. You're upset about try, this. Well, it's, you're it's exercised a, it's a, about this. It's a little this. silly, to, too, when you hear the, 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 the color person for the Dodgers yeah. say, that is a, that's an awful big finish. Like, he's doing it on purpose. I, come on, man. Like, all right. Boy, like, yeah. So, yeah, I love it that's when we me. get you that's, fired up. That's me. That's that's why we have you on. That's why I, I wanted to ask someone who stood at the plate and had gone through that. Do you ever, you never had anybody tell you about your, like, talk to you about your swing, like, the, the, during a game, catcher. You've never had any. What are any you talking situation. about? Tell me what. Ah, uh, like, you know. No, he wouldn't have liked that. Okay. All right. No. Anyhow, there no, we are. We, we wouldn't have got along. There we are. So you're it's solidly hard, with hard Marcelo it's hard, enough, it's hard enough to hit. I don't okay. need a catcher trying to tell me how to hit. All right. Okay. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, the uh, Jays and Rays will get it going in about an hour's time from lovely Tropicana Field. The Jays looking uh, to end a five-game losing streak. It's a second of four games. It'll be a 640 first pitch. Now, one of the themes to have emerged, the topic, the Blue Jays in the past six games or so has been their lack of offense, particularly with runners in scoring position. We have said that the lineup, the Jays lineup, to me, it looks like it's missing something. To me, it, it looks like it's missing another hitter. Now, I have speculated, and I think I'm pretty good grounds here, I've speculated that uh, this may be the product of a deal that was not made on the part of the Blue Jays. Something may have fallen through. And as a result, this is the lineup you're left with. One deal that was made, though, was with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It saw Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno traded to the Diamondbacks for Dalton Varshano. The Diamondbacks are 28-20. and 20. They're eight games above 500 for the first time since the end of the 2019 season. Their 23 wins against NL opponents are second behind the Dodgers. They are a seriously good team. They good are a them. seriously young team. And don't look now, but Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in a 15-game hitting streak hitting 417 with a 1.352 OPS, six doubles, seven homers, 14 ribbies, and seven walks. And yes, that would look awfully good in the Blue Jays lineup. I can say it even if you don't want to say it. But it would look awfully good in the Where Blue would he Jays hit? lineup. I mean, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Don't worry about that. We can find a spot for him. 
Uh, Nick Picaro is a Diamondbacks reporter with the Arizona Republic. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Nick, thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Look, we, we've talked about, and Gabriel Moreno, in, indeed, as well, is hitting, I believe, 313. Not much power, but 313, and he's he's doing doing really well defensively. But I wanted to talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. What did the Diamondbacks think they were getting when they got Lourdes? And 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 sort of what what are they saying about him now? Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, they were they were expecting to get. I I really think they've probably gotten a little bit more than they expected, but but not too much more. I mean, they were expecting a guy that was going to be a professional at bat, you know, day in and day out. Um, they were pretty heavy on left-handed bats. Um, they needed some right-handed hitters to kind of balance things out. And they just kind of felt like they liked his chances to, you know, kind of be a a competitive, um, you know, tough at bat uh, in the middle of their lineup. Um, I think that they looked at what happened last season with him. Um, I, I, you guys can probably know, you probably guys probably know this a lot better than I do exactly how it unfolded. But you know, I, my understanding was they didn't realize that that he was playing the second half of last year with a broken hamate in his in his wrist. And, uh, and he just kind of toughed it out and, and got to the end of the year and realized he needed surgery. And they were really hoping that, you know, getting him healthy again would, would get some of that power back that he, that he kind of lost last year. And it's, it's worked out, you know, probably even better than they expected. You know, I, I think he has seven home runs already, maybe eight home runs uh, after the, uh, yeah, I think eight after yesterday. So he's on a pretty good pace and, and he's, He's obviously timing it pretty well since he's uh, heading into free agency after this year. Nick, is there any mechanical changes with, with Lourdes, or is it just health? Uh, he hasn't said anything about that. He's he's talked about um, you know kind of trying to stay really calm at the plate and and just kind of feel through situations and and not be overwhelmed by moments and and things like that. And man, I I've I've just been so impressed with with the the. I mean, kind of like what they were saying they were expecting to get, like just the quality of the at-bats. I feel like he's never really um, off balance. I mean, everybody gets gets beat by pitches from time to time, sure. but I mean, I, I feel like he's just on, on pitches so often. Um, I feel like he uses the whole field really well. Um, I, I feel like the power just sort of comes by, you know, I mean, it's just like the kind of power that comes by virtue of being a really good hitter, right? I mean, you just kind of run into some pitches every now and then, but he doesn't seem like he's up there really trying to do too much ever. Um, I've just, I've been really impressed by what I've seen. Uh, Gabriel Moreno is another guy. Obviously he went to Arizona in the trade. Now, you know, look, he was the Jays top prospect. He was the top catching prospect in baseball. Well, once Adley Rushman was promoted, he was the top catching prospect in baseball. It's kind of odd because Kevin and I were talking about this. I don't think, I don't think he makes the blue Jays out of spring training this year, as long as they have Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen around. I think they're probably still committed to those two, to those two guys. But, um, again, he's hitting 330. He's got three doubles. He's got one homer. Uh, he is, uh, you know, throwing out 50% of the base runners. Caught, caught stealing lead, leads the majors. I mean, you know, the defensive side of the game is certainly there. Where, where is he in, as far as what the Diamondbacks expected? And I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to people, Nick, but what do they think? What do you think he's going to be offensively? Is he going to be a catcher who hits for a high average and, you know, perhaps runs into the odd pitch now and then, but is, is going to make his bones as a guy with a high average and maybe a bunch of doubles, which, you know, which is not a bad thing for a catcher. 
Yeah, I I feel like that's sort of what they see as like the low end, um, and and so far he's he's been that. Um, he's got a pretty aggressive approach. I, it's sort of I don't know. It's weird to me. Like I I feel like he hasn't been quite this good as as his numbers look. Just mm-hmm. just to me, because I feel like there's been lots of times where he's been so aggressive up there. He's sort of given away some at bats and just some some over eagerness in in certain situations. But then you look up, and I mean it is it is a lot of solid contact. Um, a lot of the time. So I, I will, I will give him that. Um, he doesn't really drive the ball uh, super well yet, but you know, it's in there. I mean, you, you see it in batting practice. He took some swings um, in spring training. There was a ball he hit uh, at one point in March that was over the batter's eye in center field that you're just like, Oh wow. Okay. So there's, there's 450, you know, to straightaway center in there. It's just a matter of learning how to, I don't know. I don't know if it's a matter of, of being a little bit more selective and stubborn to the pitch that you're looking for to drive it early in counts and then kind of getting back to being a little more contact oriented when you get to, you know, one or two strikes. Um, or, or if it's maybe a, a slight adjustment to his swing to, to kind of learn to get the ball in the air a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I, I think that, that they are pretty pleased with what they've gotten so far out of him. Um, and he's kind of been forced into into a, a heavier workload than they were expecting because they were planning to pair him with uh, Carson Kelly this year. And, and Kelly, uh, I think he fractured his, his forearm in spring training, and, and he's, he's still yet to play this year. So he kind of got thrown to the fire, and, and he's, uh, he's handled it real well. Nick, how's his game calling been so far early in the season? Um, pretty good, I think. Um, I, I heard a little bit here and there early on. Um, I haven't heard much lately. I, I, I think they're pretty satisfied with it. Um, I, I do think that it's helped. Uh, and I guess it's probably been less of an issue with, with the Jays because they have two established catchers, guys that have been in the organization. But I think that having the pitch com going the other way uh, has really helped, mm-hmm. you know, a, a guy learning a staff uh, for the first time. I think Zach Gallen especially has, has called a lot of his own pitches. Um, but, you know, there's, there have also been stretches where they've, they've said, you know what, we were in a really good rhythm. We just kind of let Gabby do his thing. And, uh, and it, it seems like it's been fine. All right. So the Diamondbacks are 28 and 20. Um, you know, they're, they're, we've, I've, I've caught a couple of their games late in the MLB package. I think they're a hoot to watch. Yep. Uh, can they, do, do, you think, do you think they can keep this going? You think they can they can uh, they can take a run at the playoff spot here? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Um, right now, they've got you know three young starters, two rookies, and and a guy Tommy Henry who's just barely lost rookie rookie status from last year in the rotation, um, and it hasn't been the smoothest for those guys. Gallon and, and Merrill Kelly at the top have been terrific. I I think that. You know, they're going to get Zach Gall or sorry, they're going to get Zach Davies back from an injury pretty soon, maybe this weekend. And if they can find some stability from those other young guys, um, just to to allow them to to just kind of not overwork that bullpen um, and obviously keep them in in more games and in, into the middle innings, I would feel really good about it. Um, the offense has been, I don't know, it's it's been a weird year. I mean, I know. Uh, they had the three center fielders and, and traded Varsho um, in part because they liked Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas so much. Well, those two guys are in AAA right now after struggling. Um, I don't. I, I think part of the reason, I, I guess kind of going back to what you said early on, part of the reason they wanted Guriel in that deal was to kind of safeguard them against the possibility of, of one of those outfielders struggling. I don't think they expected both of them to struggle. 
Um, and and then you know they've had some other guys sort of step up and and fill fill the fill the holes. And and Corbin Carroll has been terrific. I mean that that probably is the the first part that we should talk mm-hmm. about these guys being successful. Uh, it's almost like you just assume he's going to continue to be this. I, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue to be such such a productive player. He's he's such a well-rounded player. Um, yeah, I I I like I like their chances if they can get their starting pitching in order. I feel like they're putting a lot of pressure on their bullpen right now. Uh, but I love the way they play. They're like you said, they're they are a hoot to watch, and they're really defensively sound. Um, they don't beat themselves, and that's a thing that. I don't know if it's the National League. I don't know if it's the Diamondbacks getting fortunate, so to speak, that like a lot of mistakes are happening by the other team they're playing. They do put pressure on other teams, so that could be it. Or if it's that they're so good defensively that the mistakes by the other teams stand out when mm-hmm. I'm watching them, but they just don't seem to beat themselves. Uh, last question before you let you run. Getting rid of Madison Bumgarner, did that in some ways kind of clear the decks as well? For, for the organization for like, I don't know if it was an issue in the clubhouse, but it, did it kind of clear the decks for everybody? Well, I mean, he just wasn't giving them a chance to win night in and night out. I, I he wasn't pitching. Uh, he, he just wasn't giving them competitive outings. Um, I, I think we all expected that they would maybe move on from Bumgarner if he struggled. I don't think we expected it to happen quite as quickly as it did this year. Um, but it, it, it did uh, free up, opportunities for these young guys um we'll just have to see how they respond i mean brandon fought was you know at the time of his promotion a couple of weeks ago one of the more well-regarded pitching prospects in the game and he's really struggled to uh you know to throw his fastball and effectively um and and just hasn't pitched quite as well as we expected um and then you know they've they've they're gonna have to get more out of out of these other young starters ryan nelson tommy henry dre jameson's down in, in reno um, but you know, they, they, uh, they just, they, I feel like they just kind of had to move on from right. Ben Garner despite what was owed. It, it, it just, it just wasn't working. Nick, really good of you to join yeah. us today. Thanks so much, man. Awesome. Terrific insight. Be well. Thanks a lot. All right. No problem guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. It's Nick Picaro. He covers the, uh, Arizona diamondbacks for the Arizona Republic. Um, yeah. In- interesting hearing them talk about, I, about Gabriel Moreno and I, I, I'd wondered about that. You know, and it really didn't. It was. It would have been nice. Now that I think of it, it as down at the ballpark to talk to Adley Rushman about sort of how he uses pitch calm and all that. But I, yeah. I, 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 I hadn't really thought of that though. But it's got to be an asset for a young, a, a young catcher who's just been traded to an organization mm-hmm. to have pitchers calling their own oh, pitches. No that removes a lot of the workload from me. And you know, and and maybe at some point he assumes more of the calling. But wow, that's. You know, you, you kind of don't think about that. That's got to be a big, big asset for a young guy coming in and learning a pitching staff. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would always uh, allow you to put more emphasis on your offense, right? Th- yeah. th- that would sort of or be... Or worry no. about the other defensive yeah. aspects, like controlling the, the sure. running game, which he is he is he's very good, good at. Well, he's very athletic. That that helps a lot. The offensive side of it is very, very intriguing. I, I, I almost think you, you either have power or you don't. Does he have power? Like um, when me, when with, me and you were around the batting cage and we were watching him play batting you. practice, you ever see him go deep? No, I I think I that, saw him go to right field a bunch of times. Never saw him try even try to go deep. I think if he if he is on a young athletic team that's going to score runs, then you can have him at the bottom of the order. I think he can hit for average. Oh, I have no I, doubt he too. can he can hit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to hit 330, but if he finished the year hitting 315. 
You wouldn't. No, absolutely. You know, uh, and you can get if he's going to play good defense, you can get away with that. You know, get a hit, I don't know. Hit me. Hit three fifteen. Hit three fifteen with twenty doubles. He's a good base runner too. He's, got, he's a good he's, base he's, runner. Got sneaky speed. He can steal a base occasionally. I think I, that, I just wonder about the power. Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect. That's kind of the perfect scenario for him. It's a mm-hmm. young team. Yep. They're not relying on him for the power. And even though it, it's odd, even though the Blue Jays weren't relying on him for power, right? I mean, look at how we're talking about this lineup. The I think the expectation in the AL East is you you do have to hit for some power to have a spot in this lineup. Yeah. I, I, I just think that's that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's uh, that's a great spot for him. And I'm serious, if, if folks. If you had a chance to watch them, they are fun. Like they do get at it, mm-hmm. and and as Nick said, they do. They put a lot of pressure. They put a lot of pressure in teams. House I, money. I don't know about the like the Orioles. House money. Yeah. All the all the pressures on the other team. But you know play. what? You look around the NL East, or, or you look around the National League. Like the Phillies, they really haven't had much traction. It's like a quarter of the year now the yeah. phillies are just what are they they're they're, they're 22 and 25 Trey turner's getting booed like there might be a path for a team like the diamondbacks to sneak in there i in guess the postseason. maybe yeah be a good surprise it would be yeah it would be mm-hmm. and uh and, and and that uh yeah they're just they're they're kind of a i mean corbin carroll i'd heard about him. he was my rookie of the year choice anyhow he's something else but i enjoy I really do enjoy watching the play, and I love Zach Gallon, man. Yep. Zach Gallon could be in my rotation anytime. Uh, we are a little more than half an hour away from first pitch at the Trop. The Jays are taking on the Rays in the second game of a four-game series. Jose Barrios on the mound for the Jays. Taj Bradley for the Rays. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's a former president of the Miami Marlins. want to talk to David about what happens when an organization trades a prospect and, and, and just... What happens when the guy you got in a trade gets off to a slow start? We'll talk to Dave about that. Want to talk about the Rays as well. We kind of thought this whole Rays stadium thing was kind of settled. And now it appears as if it might not be. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. And in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Into the fact that they were throwing their bullpen there. Uh, uh, you know, that, that was just it. It was, an, oppor- it, it was an opportunity for the coaches yeah. and, and, frankly, for their teammates to get to see him. I mean, this, this much we know. Uh, from talking to to Ross Atkins over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Chad Green is farther along than Hyunjin Ryu. Ryu had a bit of a setback. Um, now, I know Ryu is saying he thinks he can be ready after the All-Star break, which is good. Uh, keep in mind that after the All-Star break can mean July 20th. It can mean August 20th. It can mean September 20th. Uh, Chad Green, as we're said, the Jays have led us to believe that they think he can be in their bullpen in September. It's it's an aggressive timetable, but he has checked every box. And we've talked about this. If you've got a semi-healthy chat, if you've got Chad Green 
healthy enough that he can work for you once every three days yep. out of the bullpen, there will be thing. a spot for him. It's Absolutely. not it's, it's not a bad thing. Nope. And, uh, you know, that, look, I think it's, it's obvious if you've been following this team, there will probably have to be some bullpen moves made at the trade deadline, if not before. But certainly getting Chad Green back would be a, uh, I mean, it would just be, well, it, it would solve. He could pitch the eighth inning. It would solve some issues. He could pitch the How's eighth that? inning. He could pitch the eighth inning if he's healthy. And, you know, Hyunjin Ryu, yeah, if he's back, it's, it's always good to have that option. But right now, um, and they do not have any options now that Mitch White is on the 60-day IL. There's nobody you want anywhere near your major league pitching staff <laughs> at AAA right now. Uh, so certainly if Ryu could come back at some point in August, you maybe there is a spot for him if you had to go to a six-man rotation or whatever you wanted to work some things out to give Kevin Gossman uh, an extra day here and there. But it was nonetheless for the Blue Jays, it was good to see both of them throwing today. And um, it's funny because Hyunjin Ryu really it was a, a situation of out, of sight, out of out of sight, out of mind for the longest time sure. with Ryu. And he is in the final year of that contract. But Green was a really quiet, under-the-radar signing they made. And they signed Chad Green with the expectation of having him pitch meaningful games for them in September. So um, good news on that front, mm-hmm. on that front at least. Chad Green, at least Chad Green has uh, had a fair amount of success in the American League East. 640 is the first pitch tonight. The Jays taking on the Rays in the second of a four-game series at Tropicana Field. Jose Brios for the Jays. Taj Bradley for the Rays. David Sampson of host is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's a former president of the Miami Marlins. He's one of our favorites. He joins us mm-hmm. on Valerian Barker. David, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. Look, the, the Jays offense isn't producing to the degree we thought they would produce. They're having difficulties with runners in scoring position. They traded to Arizona, a guy in Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who's tearing the cover off the ball right now as a front office executive. Do you ever allow yourself to think, oh, I can't believe this is happening? Is it, do you ever, once you make a trade, once you make a trade, do you, you, you're just committed to that trade? I mean, you can't undo it. I get all that. But human nature would suggest that you look at it and go, oh, why am I not getting that right now? How do organizations view those those, those trades. And I'll ask you even an, an extended question here. At, at what point do you look at your lineup and go, yep, this ain't working. We need to bring a bat in. So let me do the first one first. Publicly, when I was president at the Marlins or the Expos, I would always tell the media and the fans that I never looked back and that I would never check box scores and that we would make it actually a rule that we move forward only. But I was lying to you. The truth is that I looked every day and I actually had a list of players that we had traded because it was my best way to evaluate scouts and baseball people who would tell me things about minor leaguers or tell me things about major leaguers. And that was the way for me to get accountability. So I believe it's the same thing as like selling stocks or selling your house. Everybody looks back, but you pretend you don't. So that's how I would answer your first question. The second question and I can admit it now, Jeff, because I'm not in the game anymore. But, uh, yes, it would drive me crazy. And I would root against players who I traded, even those who I liked, because I wanted to make our trade look better. That's natural. Do you think the that it... question is... Oh, go sorry, ahead. go so, ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. I was just going to answer your second question, yep. which is, when do we say it's time? 
So right now we are approaching Memorial Day. And we would always use Memorial Day as an interesting point where we would reevaluate the team and wonder whether we got the preseason evaluation wrong or whether or not we got it right, but the team has not yet proven us right. And that's a very hard exercise because it means looking at your whole off season and every time you sat in a room thinking that you were making good moves for your team and that your team was ready to compete, it means that you were wrong the entire time. And we're getting to the point where you have to make that decision. But if I'm the Blue Jays organization, I'm not willing to say that we were wrong yet. I believe that while I am struggling, we're scoring runs. We really are. We're not at the bottom of the league in runs scored. We're not in the bottom of the league in average, right? We're, we're middle of the road, which is exactly why we're 500. And I believe that we can play to where we're supposed to play and all of a sudden make a run. That's how I would look at the Blue Jays. David, how do you how does this front office evaluate your team's best hitter? Like Vladdy, he's been steady, but hasn't mm-hmm. been great. How do you evaluate that early in the season? So Vladdy's a great one. We've talked about him on this show for since he started. Mm-hmm. And I told you that I wouldn't sign him to a long term deal mm-hmm. because you're gonna have to make choices. And I'm on record with you guys yeah. saying I wouldn't do that. He's not the forty home run. He's not his father. And I know we all wanted him to be. We were all saying he's better than his father. I remember us having a conversation again on this show. Is he better than his dad? Forgetting how good his dad was. Vladimir Jr. is a above-average major league player. That's what he is. He's not a $300 million player. He is not going to be the sole superstar in your team that's going to get you a World Series ring. But he certainly is a complement to a World Series winning team but I'm not going to overpay him or sign him long-term. So, and, and it's, it's interesting because I, I remember that discussion. And one of the things you said is, you know, you, you have to look at the body type. You have to you know, look at the, the, the makeup of the player. Um, you know, they've committed to Bo Bichette for three years, but it was a little, little easier for him. They haven't bought out a, a year of his free agency. And, you know, I, you kind of look at Bo and you go, okay, well, that body, I mean, Bo's body is probably going to look the same four or five years down the road. He may have slowed down because we all do, but his body may, may look the same. And I'm wondering if there's, is, is there a danger though, David, when you have two, like these guys came up sort of joined at the hip, right? And I, I think back of when the Jays had Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman, two guys come up, they're joined at the hip. They're kind of the two-headed monster that is going to take your team to the promised land. And, you know, at some point you've got to pick one over the other or one guy jumps ahead of the other guy and now the other guy feels he's behind him. Is there is there something you have to manage there when you're dealing with human beings? Kind of the the natural inclination, I would think, to... Well, I came up with this guy. He's, this is kind of my buddy here. And now I see that he's getting more and he's getting ahead. I, that's got to be a hard situation to manage, does it not? Boy, they pay attention. In that clubhouse, they know exactly, because the players all speak. They know when you offer a young player a deal to guarantee their arbitration and you offer it to one guy, not the other, they know it in the clubhouse, even if the contract is not accepted. They know if you're offering to buy out free agent years and you're offering to buy out more from one player versus the other. And so what I used to do in those circumstances, because it happened to me, is I would actually communicate with both players. And I would explain my thought process of why we're offering what we're offering. 
and how it's totally up to you and your family and your agent what you want to do. But this is where our head is and why we're doing it. I always liked being upfront about it because of what you're saying. I didn't want one of the two players who came up together, let's say, to read in the paper about an offer we had made or to think that we were playing favorites because I felt like a parent. You don't want to play favorites with your children, but the results are the results. And in baseball, it's results. You can't sign everybody. And as long as you communicate, you're going to be okay. David, when, when, say, seven out of your nine guys are struggling at the same time, is there something that a front office would look at that would tell you that they're going to come out of that sooner than later? You just assume regression to the mean, right? You assume that it's the same thing with uh, last night LeBron scoring 31 in the first half. It's pretty clear that he's not going to end the game with 62, that he's going to get tired, and he's going to end up where he ended up, let's say 40 to 45 points. It's the same thing, really, in baseball. When no one is as bad as they are at their worst or as good as they are at their best. And the front offices are really good at knowing that. It is strange how it works, though, where you can get hot throughout a lineup or get cold throughout a lineup. And I've spoken to sports psychologists about it. I've spoken to players about it. And I've never been able to get a real answer as to why that happens. Because it's not like a basketball team where you're literally dependent on each other for getting the ball and passing the ball and scoring. Or hockey, same thing. In baseball, it's just you at the plate against the pitcher. There should be no reason why you're slumping in the three-hole, and then that means the guy in the seven-hole is slumping too. I've never been able to figure that out. You know, David, I was under the impression that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays ballpark slash ownership situation, well, it's more a ballpark situation, I think, maybe than ownership situation, but I was under the impression that it was it was, it was was kind of settled with the whole nixing of the Twin Cities concept and that, you know, Stuart Sternberg seemed to be thinking he was making some progress with getting a ballpark built in Tampa Bay. Then we get this report from The Athletic on Sunday morning, which has been denied by Sternberg, by the way, that the Rays are drawing interest from a local group and from others that would look to relocate the team. Like, I, I feel kind of guilty because I almost think as if I've taken the relocation off the table for the Rays and that they'll get something done there and the team that's a real mess is Oakland. But, you know, look, you know, the, you know the Florida market. Is there still a chance you think that the Rays don't get something done there? There's definitely a chance, but I I do think it will get done. But that denial was funny to me because every team gets offers all the time. So even a team not for sale, let's say the Yankees, Steinbrenner doesn't want to sell. People call up and say, hey, I have interest. Or what would you think about $5 billion? Because owners also like valuing their assets. They like knowing what their team could be worth if they were to sell. Jeffrey Loria would call me in my office often and say, hey, I'm not selling, but by the way, what could you get for it right now? Hmm. And what could you get for it if we get a new ballpark? So he's doing those calculations as, as owners do of assets. So for Stu to deny that anybody is calling or anybody's interested in the team, that just sounds foolish to me. But I do believe that they'll get a deal done. I think it'll be St. Pete. I've always thought that, and I think it's a mistake. Uh, but I do think somewhere in Tampa, St. Pete will get done. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that. I... Look, I've spent enough time over there in spring training. I've driven that drive at rush hour, and that I why wouldn't you put it in? I, why wouldn't you put it in Tampa? Is it just a matter of you're probably going to get a sweeter deal from St. Pete? Because it just seems to me that you're kind of punting if you stay in St. Pete. You're probably going to be down the same road five or six years or seven years after the stadium's built. Well, that's one of the things that baseball's got to really figure out is that it used to be that when you got a new stadium, it meant an automatic increase in attendance. 
and it meant an automatic huge increase in revenue. Now, with the amount of money that is being put into the stadiums by the teams and the fact that the attendance bump is not what it used to be and the fact that your expenses go up when you're running a new stadium as opposed to being in an old one, believe it or not, uh, it turns out not to be as great a deal as it used to be, which is why Tampa and Oakland have been hesitant to get a deal because, A, they don't have the right amount of public financing, and, B, the amount they have to put in privately, they realize that with their operation they can't fund it. So it's an interesting time for uh, baseball right now. And one more thing, guys, you know what happens in football, that the NFL has a fund that actually participates in the building of these new stadiums for the teams because it's the same thing in the NFL, even with that amazing amount of revenue that they have, that it's hard to justify that level of private investment. David, really good of you to yeah. join us today. Wonderful. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Terrific David. insight. Hey, have a great day. You awesome. too. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal, the podcast. Yeah, the the, the race stadium. Look, I, I mean, mm. I've, I've spent a lot. I've spent a ton of time down there. Um, I love St. Pete. I, I it's it's a it's a remarkable city. Um, but man, it's anybody who's handled the traffic in that part of Florida. Yeah, people are going to look at the map and go, "Well, Jeff, it's really not that far from one side of Tampa to St. Pete." Oh, yeah, it is because you've only got a couple of bridges you're going over, mm-hmm. and it is a mess. And God help you if there is an accident on one of the causeways. I've always thought that if you stuck the team in the in, in the the eastern end of uh, of Tampa around Ybor City, that area out there. Now you kind of you can attract the people sure, from Orlando. Go up you can att- right yeah. that that whole yeah. Orange County area. Mm-hmm. Now you can attract those people, sure. and you're still going to get the people from St. Pete that are that are going to want to go over there. Yeah. But um, yeah, listen, I, I hope I hope they get it done because I too. think I think it's a it's and the thing people the don't realize terrible stadium it's terrible. The thing people don't realize. The Rays TV numbers are remarkable. They are. They are huge. <laughs> they are. They are massive. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this idea that it's kind of the small, weak market, no, no, no. It could be a good baseball market. Uh, let, let me ask you a question. Are you shocked the way David talks about Vladdy? Nope. He's been like, he has said that from day one. We had a conversation. I asked him point blank. Bo Platty. His argument all along has been you got to pick one of the two. Sure. You're not going to pay, you're not gonna pay each of them $400 million. Yeah. And his argument was you look at the two players and you've got to ask who is going to retain that value. And one of the things you look at is who is going to hold up over the long term. Now, mm-hmm. in fairness to Vladdy, Vladdy isn't brittle. Vladdy plays every day just like Bo does. But yeah. you have to ask yourself, well, what are we seeing this year? Are you surprised at what you've seen from Bo this year? I'm not. For, from Bo? Yeah. No. no Are you surprised in a negative way from what you've seen from Vladdy? I am, yes. Uh, what he swings at. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more of a mental thing than it is physical. Yeah. But the, I, I, I'm at the point now where I, like, I really, just, I don't care if they, at, uh, at this point, unless Vladdy's willing to give me yeah, two yeah. years of free yeah. and say, I'm not giving him da- a long-term David, contract. David I'll go year a, to year. David is a very smart guy who does his homework. It's just, it's just odd the way he talks about Vladdy offensively. Like, I talk about Vladdy differently than David does. Yeah. Well, which, be, is, which is odd, right? Because I think David, and, and David's right, Vladdy, people expect Vladdy to be a superstar. Me too. I'm, I'm in that camp. What he, if he, he isn't? I, 
What if he's just really, what, what, really? What, what if he's what, a top what, twenty, what if, top twenty-five hitter? What if, it, what if it made him look better by playing in Buffalo and in Dunedin? Well, we've had that discussion, and and I don't even want to go down that road. He hasn't homered here this year. I mean, well, you watch his batting practice. I mean, he go, he goes in the flight deck, like it's not like he doesn't yeah. have it. But as his as, as uh, Felipe Alou would always say, he'd look at his watch and tap it. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. That is the back leg line. Questions, comments for Kevin Barker. Leave a voicemail for us. We will get to it. If you like your question, heck, even if we don't like your question, but it gets us talking, hmm. we'll play it and we'll give you a shout out on TV. Travis in Saskatoon knows. I think this is Travis. like the tenth time Travis has called up. Mm-hmm. Travis in Saskatoon, no problem. Because Travis asks good questions. I'm just curious what you guys think of the front office and the moves they made. I'm not sure how to put it, but I feel like they built a team that was more built for the playoffs more than getting through a regular season and actually getting into the playoffs. And the reason I say that is, like, I feel like they it's all pitching and defense and that they kind of built a team like they had in Cleveland when they weren't beating teams. They weren't scoring a lot of runs to beat teams. They were It was pitching and defense that got them to that World Series. Well, yeah. I'll say this, Travis. I'll, I'll have a go at this first, Kevin. If mm-hmm. they have built a team for the postseason, they forgot about the bullpen. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I, I think they were hanging their head, at least for me anyway, in, in the offseason, that the dudes that they had offensively were going to be really, really good. Yeah. And so far, they haven't been. And and they could go out and add pieces to make their, their outfield defense Agreed. way better. That that Seeing George Springer getting carted off the field, that was enough, I think, for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh in British Columbia. Josh. Do you think it's possible that the Jays right now seem to be over cackified? <laughs> Meaning you That's have all word. these That's people in the word. dugout My telling word. them what to do. Uh, they go to the iPad every time telling uh, them what to do. And then when they get up to the plate, it almost seems like their instincts are trying to tell them one thing, mm-hmm. but then the khakis are telling them another thing. And it seems like so many Blue Jays players, when they're up to bat, especially in big spots, just look confused. Boy, that is that is that might that might be the best call because you can actually see it. You can actually see a guy screw up. The first thing they want to do is run over and flip the iPad. I, I now again, I was never good enough hitter to even think about trying to do that. Uh, the, that would have destroyed me between the years. Uh, I, there was no, there's no way I could have ran on the field to play defense, thinking about how bad my bat was because you can actually see it. Yeah, as I, soon as it goes bad, right? There's something to that. I mean, I think he's nailed it. Like I now, w- w- whether the game plan, I think it's very individual. Every game plan's different. I mean, there's some guessers on this team. Everybody can tell by watching who's hitting about who's getting. Vladdy's a guesser. Bo's a guesser. Like, there's, you have to be, I think, somewhat this day and age because of how much they throw secondary pitches. You got to be somewhat an educated guesser. But I do think there's something to that, right? The iPad's telling you one thing, the khakis uh, are telling you know. another, I and know. you're going up and trying to, to be in the middle. I, I, I got to. See ball, hit ball, is that a I, thing I, anymore? See ball, hit ball is a thing anymore? You, uh, you're around the baseball no. enough. Is I got to, I got to call. Is it? I got to call time out there first of all it, it it doesn't matter because they're here to stay front offices have invested a ton of money in Absolutely, analytics because it works and there's no what you know what there's there's no 
it doesn't count against your salary against your your salary it doesn't yeah. count it towards a luxury tax so you can spend millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in analytics so it's arguing about it i have fun with it i poke fun at but it's here to stay absolutely i tend to think it's probably no i know that it's a benefit because i do believe that the more information you have the better you are i don't know the the whole thing about looking at the ipad in the dugout i saw aaron judge doing it a couple i've seen everybody look at the ipad in the dugout i think maybe you know we cover the blue jays and Mm. our cameras are always trained in the blue jays dugout and I think we always look at the Blue Jays. They're looking at they're looking yeah. at the iPad. Aaron, Aaron Jones, well, how the hell do you not? How the hell do you not know? The best hitter in baseball. How the hell do you not know that the Yankees and Rays are it's looking the at the dugout? It's the best hitter in baseball. No, but I, but I'm saying, Kevin, you're you're missing the point. We've got no, this no. idea that the Jays are the only team doing this. They're not the only team doing it. Now, I do wonder, I do wonder about the need for having thirty people in uniform in the dugout. I kind of wonder about that. You've got. Like four people yeah. involved in the in the hitting process. Yeah, I think the caller's point was it's not so much eliminating the khakis. Like there's a, there's a huge benefit to having a lot of information. It's when you're using it that that that's the whole thing, they're right? Big boys, you, you got you got they're to trust a little bit occasionally about what you're doing the... off the field. Oh. Will translate on Kevin. the field. Just go out there and let it be. There's they're, no they're, more of that. They're they're twenty nine. No they're twenty nine and thirty year old dudes. Like if you don't want to look at the iPad. Don't look at the iPad. Mm. Like, seriously. I, I just think the whole, you know, again, I think it's a camera goes and, oh, there they go. They're looking at the iPad again. Well, I'm sure everybody looks at an iPad during the game. Um, and we don't know the information that they're seeing. We don't know what they're getting. But, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, are the Jays too cacified? The Yankees have the Yankees were doing this way before anybody else. They're the way best before at it. anybody the else. Best at it. Way before anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So I would suggest I don't know. It's a question. Are they doing the do they have the wrong type of khakis? Maybe they need different khakis. I don't That's know. That's a fair point. How would you ever know? They won't I don't let, know. they won't let you in the underground yeah. city. How would you know. ever know? We should steal some of the Rays khakis. That's what they Speaking of the Rays, we are about 20 minutes away from first pitch at the trop. I can see Jose Brios warming yeah, yeah. up in my TV monitor. He looks good to go. Yeah. I got a good feeling tonight. You do? Tonight's some tonight. Some of them six lefties. Tonight's tonight. You know, hey. Tonight's uh, tonight. Has not allowed a homer this year when ahead in the count. Tonight's tonight. Simplify it. Jose Barrios. That's it for Blair and Barker. We'll be back tomorrow on Sportsnet 590. The fan of Sportsnet 360.